welcome everyone to another episode of A Revolution in Education. I am your humble host, Jim McHugh, along with Chris Unger. We'll be taking the journey today with uh, Sandeep Dutt, who uh, is a school transformer, educator, uh, uh, leader, uh, has been working in education with an emphasis on culture as a service with over, over 30 years of experience. He'll talk a little bit more about the new book that he just came out with, along with his podcast and other ventures that he's been able to lead and grow, collaborate throughout the years. We're also joined by Kieran Bersethi, is the founder and director of the Riverside School. Um, she is also a major advocate for this idea of school as a social change and en uh, engine, entrepreneurship and impact. Um, I, I don't want to uh, provide any other context without the voice of our interviewees. So if there's anything I missed, uh, please let me know before we jump into the conversation. No, just also that from the school we launched Design for Change, which is really part of what everybody's talking about, about how do children take ownership and believe that their presence on the planet is to design a more sustainable, humane future for all. So, yeah. I love that. Chris, I was thinking to dive into the conversation first about who these leaders are through the lens of what education was like for them as students. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. So if either of you would like to speak to, you know, you're both leading in education right now, but what was that impetus? What was that that life event, that experience that caused you to reflect on, well, this is where education was and this is where I'd like it to be? Well, uh, thank you. Uh, so nice uh, to speak to uh, both of you. Sandeep, of course, we've kind of already had our connections. But I think for me, um, my moment of figuring out that there has to be a better way was when I became a mother. I had absolutely no interest in education till then. I'd had, of course, a very conventional upbringing, I mean, schooling, but I had the best time in a design college. Uh, when I did my, my graduation, and I then realized what it means to be listened to, what it means to be noticed, what it means to have a voice, and how does um, how do the adults in your environment support that? You know, and, and I thought that was for me the first awakening. Subsequently, I took, did my design firm, understood the whole idea of user-centeredness as a way to make experiences better. And then I became a mom. And when my son went to school, I think I realized how easily and how insidiously the child becomes incidental to the learning program. So all of six years, I saw my son not have a voice. I saw my son just, you know, being rewarded for compliance over conversation. And I said, there has to be a better way. So I think as a, as a mother, I reacted. But as a designer, I responded, took the opportunity to say, Let's do something. So pretty much uh, didn't really set out to change education because I thought I don't think that was the enormity of this endeavor was not something that I, I took on to myself. It was just my child's life. I mean, I had, there has to be a better way. So I actually started the school in my home and then that's been now 20 years. So that was really my impetus. I do have some follow-ups on that, but I, I wanna allow time for Sandeep to, to respond to the initial question. Uh, Sandeep, what brought you into the education space? What was that grounding, that transformative, that formative experience that you had as a child in education? I remember when I was about 10 years old and uh, my parents took the call that perhaps it's good for me to go to a residential school. That, yes, it seemed exciting, 
but then when my parents dropped me at school that day i can't tell you i kind of thought that my umbilical cord was now disconnected and uh, if you go to a boarding school in which i had the fortune to go if i may say it diplomatically the it's like a crash landing you end up in a dorm full of 30 boys and you know okay you know what shocks are like so that was my turning point and then that kind of put me into a shell when i saw so much of hostility and so much of uh, antagonistic behavior if i may say it because large number of these guys who were around me had actually been brought up in a residential surrounding i entered the residential school at about 10 or 11 years of age so i kind of felt a little uneasy there yes like i said i was excited before i was thrown into the pool because i would learn how to swim but when i started gasping for breath then i said okay this is my turning point so my turning point actually started with me figuring out how do i keep myself alive and happy and what is the reason of me coming to a boarding school so alive and happy meant that i could do a lot more which i could not do home and reason to boarding school of course was the whole experience of service skills sport way beyond study which you don't get in a normal day school here you had the opportunity of doing so much more and that i think was my savior because till the age of 10 i was perhaps one person who always came in the first two or three in a academic grading cycle and i was perhaps being judged by the numbers i got now here when i went into a different area or a different swimming pool i would say and i realized i couldn't swim well enough i started floating with logs and straws which were the activities so i would occupy myself the full day and the first thing i remember i really occupied myself was the aero modeling club the first airplane i made and i got on top of the building and it crashed landed but it did leave my hands and sailed a few meters was my turning point so that's exactly where my turning point i got was that there is learning beyond the four walls and then there was no stopping after that that's beautiful <clears throat> what i really hear from both of you is this idea that what we often think about in terms of how we quantify or measure education isn't always brought about in that personal that qualitative that story that narrative that really grounds us and gives us inspiration for further exploration so uh that first flight sandeep is is really beautiful and kiran your experience with your child and wanting to organically provide a better experience for them that's powerful to me and we think about design thinking and having it be human centered and i know sandeep you work through uh a 4s model of service skill sport and study um how is how is that how has that manifested initially like who were the original people that you talked to or how did you get that up and running to really make it transformative not only for those directly in your life but those outside of that inner circle to have more of a a scalable sustainable uh a uh, push for for greater educational experiences for students yeah i was looking forward to you asking that because i know you do your research well so you know i have had the fortune to grow up in a school which subscribed to a program called the duke of edinburgh award 
and in the early 60s of the last century his royal highness prince philip along with kurt han did a small experiment at gordonston in scotland which is where they figured out that you have to involve people beyond the four walls of a box learning system one second the learning outcomes don't matter it is the experience that matters that's the second thing and third what they really focused on was that in the learning cycle or the learning experience you were involved with various stakeholders your mentors your peers and your community and that's where they put together what they call the duke of edinburgh's award program so if you look at the award program the focus of the award program was it encourages you to be a service person it encourages you to be an adventure and outdoor bound person encourages you to do some physical recreation and yes it also made you do a design for living project so my thinking you all further from that and you'll be quite surprised that when i completed my school in 79 i was considered as a brand ambassador for the program and they sent me to australia from india as one of the two brand ambassadors for the duke of edinburgh award so the urge or the feel for the program was so strong i had worked my school life to get into a medical school i had the marks to enter a medical school but because i had the option of representing india as a brand ambassador for the duke of edinburgh award my father gave me the liberty to choose that go for four weeks to the outback of australia and lose my seat in the medical college not many parents would do that because i did not report to the medical college in that time so when i came when i graduated from college and entered life i kept up my volunteering with the award program and finally in the year 2009 i ended up as a country head for the award program so after the country head for the award program the story began where i said okay i have done enough of advocacy public policy i need to really design a program which is more sustainable usable which perhaps suits the indian system little better in terms of agnostic of infrastructure agnostic of resources and it connects with our culture and that's precisely why i started thinking deeply and it's taken us 10 years to build what we call the my good school curriculum and this common core curriculum actually goes very simply it says that every school must give every child an opportunity to discover herself or himself that is the basic hypothesis of a good school which you will all agree and in the school journey you do four things you learn how to give which is service you learn how to take which is skill yes you actually improve your body and mind which means you become physically fit and you also study so <laughs> with that philosophy and not looking at study being the only reason to be in school and looking at diversity inclusion and belonging in school where every child if i look at kiran's perspective she also thinks similarly that every child is a winner it's us as mentors teachers parents who do not see the winner in the child mm. so with that in mind we created what we call the my good school program which says that every school must have a curriculum or a program for service skill sport and study wherein the child or the student in the school will positively find one of the dominant s's and actually find herself for himself that's the design 
Here, and, and I would love to hear your perspective on Sandeep's approach, because I'm seeing in Design for Change that there are, there are similarities there. There's a confidence that's developed through the project that improves academic scores for students. The curriculum provides for empathy and that sort of social emotional wellness that we want students to feel empowered to explore. They're obviously diving into problem solving and it's an inclusive environment and you want students to feel like they are getting the most out of their education as self-defined by them. And so what resonates to you with the approach that Sandy takes and maybe talk a little bit more about design for change if you're able. <laughs> I should kind of just end this by saying ditto, everything is fine. <laughs> uh, well, no, I mean, I, I think, I mean, coming from a design background, the act of co-creation is fundamental to the, to, the, to the way I believe education should be. I think children's voices have always been incidental. I mean, we've always designed for them and not with them. And I think when Riverside was was created ground up, I mean, it didn't matter how young they were. My my oldest was six years when they when I started the school, and it didn't matter. Age had nothing to do with competency. Gender has nothing to do with learning, and demographic demographics have nothing to do with ability. So inviting the student voice as a co-designer meant the design of what eventually came up, which is a more systems approach to education. That framework, which is the feel, imagine, do, share, um, has the values of, of, I keep saying we're human by chance, but we become humane by design and by choices. And the ease that make us humane are empathy. That's the whole idea of starting with, with self-awareness and observation. Ethics, the idea of responsibility and imagination. Excellence, like Sandeep says, skill and, and quality and, and the whole iterative mindset. Elevation, the idea of abundance sharing shamelessly, celebrating shamelessly. And finally, evolution, that I'm only as good as I am today and I can be better tomorrow, the growth mindset. So I believe the, the, the last 20 years have been in, in really like a lab. I mean, Riverside has really become an iterative lab. You know, we kind of constantly are figuring out ways in which these values create a mindset. And that mindset really is what we call the I can mindset, which is built on the foundational principle that I am aware, enable and empowered to design a more sustainable, desirable future. So once you provide that confidence in a child to say that learning is not about just academic results, it's not linear and, and siloed, then you have children graduate with confidence about uncertainty. And I think the only thing we've learned, if nothing else this year has been uncertainty. Mm. And and it's only those children who have comfort in being uncomfortable, having an uncertain, um, whatever we call the future, and having the skills to not only navigate but shape that will come through, whatever it takes. And I believe that that's, that's at the heart of Riverside and, of course, Design for Change, and it links in beautifully with whatever Sandeep says about what the four S's are. So I think it's just an idea of semantics and taxonomy and language, but effectively it's the same principles of why we learn, you know, and um, and I think then if the learner's voice is is respected and honored, I mean, that's all you need. And finally, it's, it's that confidence you give. Truly. And Kieran, you bring up, um, you know, my next focus of this conversation was about this pre this past year. 
and that level of uncertainty and how students demonstrate resiliency and ability to tap into a growth mindset and all these non-academic skills that um, seem to have been amplified during this time to ensure that students are being taken care of and they feel like they can still feel, as Sandeep, you mentioned, empowered uh, through the environment that's created for their own personal and social development, the encouragement for students to continue to stay engaged despite this virtual element. I mean, we're all uh, living at work and working from home, however you wanted to define it. And then the experiential learning piece, uh, Kieran, you mentioned, and, and these things that we're all moving towards, these impact areas of higher creative skills and greater teacher involvement is something that has been weighing on my mind, um, especially all the work uh, and demands that we put on them to ensure that students feel efficacious in their learning, especially now. So I'm wondering, what are the larger lessons that you've both taken on from this past year and how it applies to maybe education moving forward? Because there's not going to be a return to the quote unquote normal or before pandemic. It's going to be a blend of something that we've certainly learned from. So I would love to learn from both of you. What are those lessons learned during the last year and how are you applying that in 2021? Yeah, I uh, would like to mention here, you know, last 10 years, I've had the honor and privilege of actually running a nursery. Now, when I say nursery, it's ironical because nursery could be a nursery of a school. It could be nursery for plants. It could be a nursery which nurtures you. And that's my Fab India school. And like I said, that my first part of my life from school to the head of the Duke of Edinburgh's award happened till 210. And then I had the opportunity to inherit a legacy called the Artisans Trust in Rajasthan, which have been supported by a very one of perhaps the most humane businesses I have come across in my life. It's called Fab India. Now, Fab India, 25 years back, thought that they need to bring a piece of land to life. And they worked 20 years to do that, wherein today, here's a school that has a forest of eight acres. Here's a school that is built in a desert. Now, if not really a fully a desert, because today we have some water, we have irrigation, we have some advantage in the Rajasthan area, where in the desert, they actually created a forest. From the forest, they harnessed rainwater and regenerated their wells. From sunlight, they got your photo electricity, which you are talking of today. So the school had pure air. The school was a piece of land to brought to life. And they brought me in to actually nurture and build this model of service, skill, sport and study. Simply why? Because what, what really goes behind education and this kind of model? It's all about relationship. So if you look at service, you learn how to give. And that's where you learn your first step to be a part of a community. Second, if you look at skill, you learn how to take. And when you learn how to take, you start respecting others. You start trusting others. After that, you develop yourself physically and mentally in sport, wherein you start living with nature in unison. You learn the power of breathing. You learn the power of your ability to coexist in tough situations. And that happens only with sport. Yes, academics gives you knowledge. But end of the day, your application of knowledge and service, skill and sport is what is learning. So if you look at this model and the benefit I had of running and testing this at the Fab India School over a decade almost, I think that for me was the most fulfilling part of my life. 
where we could test a hypothesis i am sure kiran will agree that in her own school she could do so much as she built it up and here i had the fortune of inheriting a legacy and given a free hand of governance training and learning to actually do somewhat what kiran was experimenting at her end the only difference is kiran is able kiran is an education and design person while i am a person who's perhaps not so deep into the curriculum but who thinks from a very simple perspective as to how do you bring stakeholders together first second put the teacher in the epicenter and then see how a teacher connects with the child how a teacher connects with the community how a teacher connects with the management and how a teacher connects with the teacher so with this relationship of teacher at the core and the availability of service skill sport and study i think we were able to do a phenomenal change and we actually built on the piece of land which we inherited or the experiential land of rajasthan in which we actually brought some life in it and we put the soul in the school with service skill sport and study so there was one the design element second there was the humane element third there was the environment coexistence element so when i look at all these things i think this made us very sturdy and strong for the new world i am not going to debate what like jim said before pandemic or whatever i mean for us it was actually a flowing river and yes last year the depth of the river was perhaps tested by us being able to swim through the undercurrents and which is very great because in a matter of days when we had the opportunity our learning community became very strong and a learning community led us through everything they created the program change the design i can't tell you last year was a blessing in disguise and if in our in our learning cycle or in what we call the learning forward this area was really where we all think we actually learned the benefit of being together yes we learned the benefit of actually thinking of a child first and last but not the least we always focused on happy teachers so these are the underlying spirit at the school underlying spirit of our work happy teachers make all the difference and that believe me is the bottom line for the world today if we think of happy teachers everything will fall in place let me tell you no design in education matters if your teachers are not happy so if you have happy teachers everything can be put in place and happy teacher is not just the payment of a salary for the job no teacher works for a salary anywhere in the world like i can assure you that so teachers happiness lies in what relationship with their peers relationship with the management relationship with the community and relationship with the student so what matters in the days is relationship environment and of course the opportunity you get to show you are a better person i love that kiran do you have do you have a response to to what you've taken away i mean i see that you have the iken philosophy the the mindset but um directly around this time in education yeah no i think a lot of what uh, sandeep says just was brought to the fore i think the idea of community relationships i think never before was it the prime reason that was the glue that kept everything together and i think what i think covid unmasked was actually the dysfunctional focus on just the academics right and i think it came out that children can learn pretty much whatever they want about the world by themselves but about each other and about uh, themselves they have to learn with each other so i think going moving forward i feel it's just 
given us enough confidence about what we don't have to spend time doing and what you know children can do by themselves and i think it really highlights that in person or whatever that happens when community comes together really focus on that focus on the heart eventually everything will just take care of itself so i believe that even when if everybody was at the edge just a, a year ago i i think that that impetus that the catalyst to move forward with whatever it would be a hybrid semiotic or symbiotic whatever that might be i believe we will learn but i think we're very clear about the areas where we must spend time in person and that nothing compares to community nothing compares to um relationships like sandeep says i i can't think of a better reason to come together because that's going to be uh the safety net for whatever the world would throw at you and i think children need to know that i think one thing that i of course uh, um because of the fact that we were connected to pens pens became a massive community so it was no longer just the children and the community that that we had uh, sort of known before covid but the pens became an integral participant and partner in this uh, uh, movie for and i think it's something to to take forward so yeah i think relationships 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 beautiful i love that response we should uh, throw that on a uh, a bumper sticker or or <laughs> uh that that vote and, and also just going back you you keep saying a re revolution i keep saying is relevolution because we do know the word love is in the spelling mm. yes so i think mm. that's really what you should be focusing it's mm. not a revolution it's relevolution mm. chris what do you love that is going to take us forward yeah 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 i want to get into the mix here if you guys don't mind uh Uh, and I wish we'd wrapping up here but I have a very very important question for both of you and I want to start with you Karen. So I mean I love what you're saying and uh, Jim and I are good are good friends of a fr uh with Kath Fraze uh, in Connecticut who I I think would you know I'm I'm going to send this right away to her because she'd be embracing this totally she saw the same need she she saw the need to provide a different community and context for her daughter and uh, try to create community as you said <clears throat> and um and think about rather than thinking about an educational factory system that sees every kid as having significant deficits uh and so you need to plug and play all the things that they don't know and they don't can't do that suits our perceived need uh in our industry that we have here in America but rather thinking about you know how you know how do you how do you support this the blossoming of the, if i can use that word uh, the blossoming of these individuals to be who they are and what they want to be and how they and, and the way they want to be in the world and how they can give back to the world but here's the here's <laughs> that was the long wind up here's the question so i think there are a number of people here i know in the united states and i'm sure elsewhere where there's this system in place that you're supposed to subscribe to and you but you know it's hurting your child it's great that you created what you created Karen and Sandeep it's you know uh, I love what you're doing and trying to grow these schools but there are mothers and fathers uh, around the world or caretakers uh, and in particular in the United States which I see all the time where they see their child dying um 
I mean, what can we do? How, what advice would you have? What, I mean, it's really hard, even for myself with my own daughters when they were growing up. I was like, do I pull, do, you know, is the alternative just to pull them out of that system, which is very scary because everybody else is in it. And then do I, you know, do I start from scratch? I, I, I can't fathom my creating what you've done over time, Kieran, uh, you know, so what, what, because I don't want, I don't want someone to be, you know, walking and listening to this podcast and saying, well, that's great, but I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. I, I would, I, do I move to India and have them go to, do I move to India and go to, <laughs> you know, right? You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, this is a very, very important point. What, because I don't want them to, I want them, so what advice do you have? What can they do? What can they be thinking about? This is very important, right? I don't want people to say, yeah. oh, that was great. That was great. I, I loved do it. it. Yes. So, you know. But what about me? Yeah, what about me? Well, let me tell you this. I mean, growing up, um, I went to pretty much a school that, practically 80% of children across the world still go to a very traditional, let's just sit down, keep, be good. And then you will be rewarded. But I have to say I had rock star parents and not because they were super talented or super anything, but I, I have to say that I was noticed and I was given time and I was given a conversation over a lunch of, of a dinner table that mattered. I think I was the last, I think Sandeep and me are probably the last generation that grew up without a television blaring or a, or, or a phone in our hands. I do believe kids don't care how rich you are, what you're doing. They just need your time. And I have seen that, that conversation, I keep saying there's a poverty of conversation happening in homes. I mean, we have an abundance of information, but there's a poverty of conversation. And I have seen amazing, amazing Garnishing to a system that happens when somebody, whoever it is, the caretaker, the older sister, the parent, etc., is just sits down and looks you in the eye and gives you some time. And I have to say, there's no more powerful way to get a child to believe and have a set of beliefs just by virtue of being told again and again every single day that you're you're here and it's for something very powerful, and we will do this together. I keep seeing parents defer that. They say, oh, next Saturday, I'll do it. Or, you know, when next month when we go for a holiday, I will spend time. And we're constantly deferring this promise of, of listening to a child to another day. So I think my parents gave me that. I believe that that gave me the confidence to go to a design school in India. Just like, I mean, I was academically gifted and I didn't go to engineering or medicine. I went to a design school, which is unheard of. And all because... Somebody was there to say, listen, I, I, I'm there. I'm, I'm, you go, do your thing. I'm, I'm there for you. I feel our parents uh, these days, I see so much of parenting being outsourced to an iPad or a phone. That's somewhere we are constantly keeping them occupied rather than engaged. So I feel the only thing that I have learned is you have today. That's the only day you have. It's today. Somebody keeps saying that what's the big grand advice. I have no grand advice just to tell you you have today. And today, if you can make a little time for your child, make the place a little kinder, I think you have gifted way more than anything else you can gift a child. So I would say it's as simple. You don't need a PhD to smile. You don't need a PhD to sit down and listen. You don't need any additional skills. Just sit, listen, and be there 
and it would be the greatest gift you give to your child. That's what I have learned. I had parents who did that for me. I saw that trans uh, uh, shape me. I, I've chosen to do that with my my two children. I've seen what it has give to them, and I think uh, it's so simple. Actually, it is. And if you can't do any of that, come to India. Come to Riverside. I'll be totally happy to have you in India. <laughs> I know, Sandeep, if you have any other wiser words. No, there are no wiser words. End of the day, everything focuses on the head. I think that's the last place. It has to focus yeah. on the heart. So for whatever we do, what you just mentioned, Kiran, and what I keep saying, for heart's sake, that's what education and learning is for. It's not for head's totally. sake. You know, today a head is irrelevant because I can get any information so easily. So what, what, what remains relevant today is the heart. And the next thing after the heart is the soul, which is fictitious. But how do you nurture a soul? You nurture a soul by making a golden heart. So if I look at what you just said, and if I reflect back into my life, if my parents did not have the belief on me, and if they had not bought me that flight ticket to Australia to go attend the International Gold Award Holders Meet, I would have not been sitting here in this room and talking to you people with this Elan, with this confidence and with this beautiful book behind me. I definitely would not have been here. So yeah, why? No, because just, yes. categorically, Sorry, my father said, son, follow your heart. I stand by you. And yeah, and I, I'll, I'll just echo that again about you parenting out of fear and parenting uh, 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 you know, out of that emotion does nothing for anybody. So today, actually, both my children have done unusual things. My, my daughter has not gone to college at all. She started her own foundation on diabetes because she's a type 1 diabetic herself. So she's been brave. She's 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 changing other people's lives. My son's a musician, started things. So in many ways, that's what our children need, whatever they would be. I think if you can just infect them with courage and you can infect them with that sense of 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 belief man they will do whatever it takes and i think for me that's something i wish for all for all parents and all children education is about pastoral care and not pedagogy i think yeah, i need to totally. clear this point out totally and that's the turning point because the minute the focus goes on to pastoral care and you realize that parenting is a necessity not an option and if I look at the world today, parenting is being looked as an option. Come on. How so can sick. parenting be an option? It's a necessity. If you look at a nest, if you look at a bird, if you look at every living being, parent is a necessity. And we cannot outsource learning outcomes to a school because that's where we are opting out of doing our job. So I'm answering the question very simply for the whole world. It's time to build relationships. Relationships can only be built when parents, teachers, students, and people who are connected with building the so-called education environment are all together on a strong relationship. We need a better understanding. We need a heart full of humane feeling. And we need, we need to live with nature. Because what is happening in the education system, it takes you away from nature. So the experiment at Riverside and the experiment of Fab India School is very simple, back to the roots. So when, when it's back to the roots, you are sitting with your parents, back to the roots is with your parents. 
back to the roots is peer learning back to the roots is understanding the need of every child and that's how we'll make a better world tada <laughs> well, i'm going to i'm going to add one thing and then let jim wrap up cuz i know we're we're uh, we need to do that but i want to add this thing and uh, if you want to respond you can but um but i need to i think i need to say this for the those who are going to be listening to this I think there's one other thing that's really important for uh, all these parents or caregivers whoever it is. Uh I think what I am seeing is it's the fish in water uh scenario which I've talked about quite often which is that um to recognize that the ecosystem that some of our children are part of are really not are, are destructive in many ways. and i think parents sometimes feel like well it it's you know i've got to figure out a way that my my child can survive in the ecosystem and um you know this ecosystem is you know it is what it is and they kind of adopt it as sort of like the right ecosystem but i think it's really important to recognize and i would want to really have people listen to this both parents Uh, other educators teachers that are working in these systems too which are poisonous you know sandeep talked about you know happy teachers and i don't think uh, many teachers are not very happy they wanted education to assist and support the growth of indiv- of youth but now they're finding there are ecosystems where every kid is has deficits and you're so you know you have this factory system but the point i'm trying to make is that don't you know don't just assume that these ecosystems are healthy don't just assume that your the kid is the one that is at fault and they're not able to fit in you the part of the reason for this podcast and for having Sandeep and Kieran and all these others on here is to recognize say these ecosystem the ecosystem we have and these communities are actually not benefiting our youth in many ways and they are very poisonous in many ways and Um you know don't just assume that it's your kid listen to your child <laughs> listen and and if if you need to raise your voice and say you are doing harm to my kid <laughs> and this is not benefiting my child and you are not serving the flourishing and potential actualization of my kid and to, to their being and who they can be and how they can be in the world you might need to either fight give voice to yourself or pull your kid out of that ecosystem and find a different one and i think that's where the revolution is many people are actually beginning to say this is poisonous and i'm going to pull my kid out and i'm going to create a new system or find a new system or find a new community for my child and i you know i just want people to realize that that is not healthy. We don't have a lot of healthy communities. We don't have a healthy educational ecosystem. And this is where the revolution needs to happen. We need to get up and we need to 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 call it out and we need to do something about it. And and if you're trying to figure out how to do that, I guess this is my last word, reach out to others that are also in the revolution. like me and Jim and Kath and other people on this podcast this is what the point right is not just to listen but find connections find relations find one another oh what is Karen's let me get that book that Sandeep wrote let me see what Karen said these do let me see what these other communities are 
and then hold hold it up against the system and say, wait, wait, we want more of this. We don't want the poison anymore. Get rid of the poison. Stop doing what you're doing. We want these other humane communities. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, that's a great way to close. I know that uh, it is late there. It is very early here. Um, I do want to, I would be a regret. I would have a ton of regret if I did not mention, Sandeep, you just... Uh, came out with a book on so much of your learning and a direction, uh, a very instructive, beautiful narrative about my good school where passion meets education. It's for parents to select the best school for their child, just like Chris had just uh, finished with this idea of how best to make connections uh, for your child. And then Kieran, you're the beautiful work that you're doing with Design for Change. Everyone can visit dfcworld.com to learn more. We will have many of these resources linked in the show notes. Um, in ending, uh, I would like us all to provide um, one thing that we're practicing, uh, maybe for this week, maybe for this next uh, month, or, or the year at large, that is not so much prescriptive, uh, because it's relationships, 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 Kieran, as you had mentioned, but primarily thinking about what are daily practices that we can enrich uh, the experiences for our students, uh, if we can share out just quickly. Oh, for me, I would say smile, smile a lot. Always start with joy and listen to your body. Be kind to yourself. I'm going to be practicing that <laughs> for this year. Love it. Uh, Sandeep. Very simple. I will find time for the person next to me as much as I can. Beautiful. Uh, Chris, do you have any thoughts on that one? I'm just, I'm just going to try to build a network of revolutionaries and a place that who people can, you know, find ways to connect people with one another so that they don't feel so lost and they can see, uh, see opportunity in reaching out to others and, finding their way so that they can really support the development and the flourishing of their kids. And I, and I want to respect the modeling of, of the question that I asked. I think it's just staying present and taking time to look around uh, and see the beauty in, in our daily engagements. Uh, there's a whole laundry list of things that we have to do throughout a day. I'm a new puppy parent. And so there's a lot of caffeine <laughs> and, and lack of sleep, but uh, this conversation, the last hour, has truly um, made me reflect. I've been very much in and engaged with you all, and Sandeep and I have been chatting for quite a, a while, and Kieran, I hope to continue a conversation. And as Chris mentioned, uh, we are good friends that came about through this virtual environment of, hey, who's out there? What's What work is being done? And so us continuing to have a conversation and be present for each other is a beautiful thing. I thank you all for your time today. Um, and and your 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 reflections, your experiences, what you're doing in education will truly truly be a value uh, to those that listen and watch this. So thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. All Lovely right. to meet you all. Have a wonderful. Bye. Let's stay in touch. We'll talk. We'll talk again soon. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you.
Hello everybody, this is Sandeep Dathya from the Learning Forward India Foundation who is committed to hashtag happy teachers. The story begins with the commitment of everyone deciding to become a good teacher. The future of school education is totally dependent on good teachers. And for us at the society level, at large, at the community level, and even at the government level, till we don't understand that if teachers are not happy, they cannot be a transformation. We at the Learning Forward India Foundation are committed to help every teacher find herself or himself, to help every teacher to enhance their skills and capabilities, and to help every teacher to build my good school. In Hindi, we all feel Mera Acha School. Why the My Good School? My Good School works for the personal and social development of every individual. And this is possible when with teachers as the epicenter, we build relationships between teachers and students, teachers and parents, teachers and teachers, and teachers and management. When all these stakeholders' relationships are strengthened, we create the ecosystem for happy teachers. We love them, we appreciate them, and we let them lead. On my podcast, beginning today, the 31st of March, 2020, I'll take you to a journey of my good school and help you understand what happy teachers want, what you can do, and what is very much achievable. Thank you. Have a happy day.